How's working from home been going for you? Remarkably Remote from GoToMeeting will help you succeed in today's new normal. In just three minutes or less, we'll share simple but helpful tips to keep you on track. From managing your motivation, workload, and relationships, to hosting and attending virtual events that keep you connected with your clients and colleagues. So check out Remarkably Remote on your favorite podcasting platform or head to gotomeeting.com slash tips. Welcome to the Rainbow Skyline Podcast, one of the many great shows on the Athletic Podcast Network. My name is Nick Kosmider, and I'm joined by my colleague, Kendra Andrews, and we are the athletics duo covering the Denver Nuggets. Um, we got a great show today. It's our mailbag episode. Uh, we got a lot of great questions uh, from you, our uh, Twitter followers, listeners, subscribers, uh, the whole lot of you turned in some great questions. Uh, so we're going to have some fun with that. Uh, before we get into it, though, again, I, d- I just... I know, I know we say this each week, um, but, but the re the reason we continue to want to reiterate our gratitude to, to all of you for, for listening, for reading, um, you know, and supporting the work that we do, uh, it's because it means a lot and it's, it's nothing that we take for granted. And I've, I've loved the interaction that we've been able to have with, with our writers and, you know, not, not only just the feedback and the work and stuff like that, but, but listening to your ideas, um, doing surveys, listening to what you, uh, what you want, what interests you about the team, what you're interested in, in hearing written about or talked about. So uh, keep that coming. That dialogue is, is awesome. We appreciate it that we view this as a community. And um, like I said, just really appreciate, you know, everybody for, for continuing to, to be a part of this thing. And before we roll into it, we just wanted to kind of remind you guys of a feature that we have now. You can go to theathletic.com. You can find our podcast and we have a comment section. So leave your thoughts in there. You can, you can specifically talk about each different episode. Uh, give us feedback there. We, we certainly look at all of that, and it's just another way that you can interact with us. Kendra, before we kind of get rolling, uh, how you been? How, we didn't Last week, I was on this with uh, with John Hollinger. We had a podcast talking about um, him regretting m- missing on Nikola Jokic back in 2014, so I haven't talked to you in a couple of weeks. How's yeah. life? I know it's, you had to move, right? I did. I had to move. I, I accomplished the move. Um, I, I remember, I think I said two weeks ago that I was nervous about my couch getting out, and yeah. actually, it was my bed frame that was the hardest part. Um, cause my old building didn't have an elevator. And so we had to carry that, all that stuff oh down. My gosh. But, um, I am settled. I have unpacked. I have to hang all my stuff up on my walls, put the finishing touches, but you know, it's yeah, so it's far okay. so good. <laughs> we moved into our house in November and I still, there's like multiple rooms that still yeah. have to be put together. So, yeah. uh, you know, it, it happens. Um, so cool. We, we got, uh, like I said, we got a couple of emailed questions, um, to us, uh, several on Twitter. Um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of hit some of these a little bit quicker. Um, and, and we'll spend some time. There's a couple in here that I want, I want to spend a little bit more time, um, talking about, but the first one is from, uh, at kid, Dan- kid dangerous LA on Twitter. Um, and, and this is an interesting question. And I, I, th- and I think that it pertains to, you know, really the whole league, but he says, do you think there will be a big disparity in what kind of shape players come back in beyond the motivation? I feel like the type of place players live, i.e. an apartment versus a house could have a big impact on access to gym equipment or a court. Um, this really is in my mind, a pretty fascinating topic in terms of, you know, as we sit here today, um, you know, on Wednesday, May 13th, the, 
the, the, the there's sort of this, I think, groundswell of of optimism, however measured, that that we could get back to play, right? That um, you know, the, the the board of governors have had a call with Adam Silver, the NBA players have had a call with Adam Silver. Um, there's been discussions about what potentially the next step could look like. Our Sham Sharania reported today that um, the league would like to make a decision within the next two to four weeks about whether the season will continue, and if it does, what that will look like. So again, we don't know anything yet. There, There's no certainty. We don't want to approach this as if, yeah, the, the league is absolutely coming back. But you know, now, now that there is some of that idea, these are sort of some of the next step questions. And look, I, I, I think it's a great one. I, you know, we know that there's players at the top of the league who have courts in their house or who have access to private gyms. Um, you know those, those things. I, I do have to imagine are going to be a, a pretty a pretty big impact, a pretty big help. Um, you know, Michael Malone was talking about that when we had a conference call with him a couple weeks ago. That um, there are some of those players that have that direct access to a gym, but they are few and far between. So you're talking probably about the cream of the crop type players who can build a gym inside of their house. Um, you know that those guys are, don't I think populate the majority of the league. Um, my my thought on it though is that look th- there's going to be a training camp portion of this right whether it's 2 weeks 3 weeks um that's not a lot of time to to get yourself back into shape but it it's something that i i think all players are going to be or all teams are going to be given once they finally ramp up if that does indeed happen um but i do i th- i think there's going to be probably guys that have better setups that that come into um come into better sh- come in in better shape to that new training camp but i also feel like a lot of this is on on a personal player. Like, look, you can you can find ways to really work out and, and make and push yourself, but but the motivation he says beyond the motivation, places to live has an impact on it. But I think motivation personally is a big part of it. Like, how much did you keep yourself feeling like this could go at any time, we could play at any time, and how much did you allow that motivation to drive you? Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I think there's going to be an advantage for those people who have gyms in their house. And and you said that was probably the minority of the league. I think an even bigger minority is the people who have actual courts, which you also mentioned. Um, But I agree that I don't think, I think it would be pretty irresponsible if they just kind of said, hey, we're back, go play, go just throw your bodies around, you know, bang each other up or just get back to it. I think that they would have to kind of have some sort of easing back into the season just as they do um, with training camp before the regular season starts, uh, there's kind of a ramping up of things. So I think that there would be something similar. Um, I, I think I'm interested. This is like, I don't, this isn't actually part of the question, but it made me think about it. I'm really interested to see how, what happens with injuries when we get back from this, because he mentioned motivation. And I think especially when players get back, there's, there's such a hunger and excitement to just be out playing competitive basketball again for these guys. And I'm wondering if that's going to have some effect on their psyche where they're just kind of, they don't, they don't hold anything back yet. They're just going full force. And is that going to result, you know, in an increased amount of injuries, not like big ones necessarily, but you know, a couple more rolled ankles, a couple more, you know, elbow jabs here and there. I'm interested to see how that kind of plays out. Yeah, to piggyback on that a little bit, I wonder how much guys who were injured going into the quarantine or going into the hiatus, um, you know, how much they were able to really 
uh, rehab and work through those injuries in a way that, um, you know, were they able to get the same kind of treatment that they normally get? Um, I know that that's been kind of the one exception, I think, to some of these facility closings that players have been um, a little bit able to, to rehab. Um, but but I, I think, again, most of that stuff is take, going on remotely. And so what, what kind of effect does that have? Obviously, the Nuggets didn't have any significant injuries going into the to the hiatus, but there were guys dealing with different stuff. And uh, it's been a couple months now. I, I, I'm curious of how guys were just sort of handling their injuries. Uh, of course, rest being the number one thing that can help you out with a lot of that stuff. So so that part of it, I would imagine the guys are going to come back to camp pretty healthy, if, if not perhaps a little bit out of shape um, just because you cannot replicate um, an NBA game. And you certainly you certainly can't replicate it if you're not able to play five on five, which I don't get the feeling most guys are. <laughs> I, I do have some I do. I do have uh, some inkling that there are guys who have have found ways in different locales to to play some basketball. And I'm not, I'm not saying guys are out here running full, full games and whatnot. And, and I'm sure are being, are being safe about it, but you don't have to be like a big detective on, on social media channels to see some guys are getting together in at least small groups and, um, playing a little bit. And so, um, again, I, you know, you, you leave it to the players. I'm sure that they are all being kind of mindful of, of all the precautions that they need to take as best that they can. Um, but that, that's probably the reality is like these guys know, Hey, if we're going to get back, there's no way that I can really be ready if I'm not playing in some kind of way. So it, to me, it seems like you're starting to see guys get a little bit more of an opportunity to, to actually be on the court. Um, and as the last thing I'll just finer point I'll put on that is that we know now that the, the Nuggets facility a couple days a week is being open. So, Guys are now able, even though they have to go through a lot of a process in order to get in the gym and get those shots up, they are able to get in the gym and get that sweat going and, and work out, um, you know, at a distance with with, you know, player development coach and things like that. So uh, I, I do think that there's going to be a way for them to, to kind of get close to ready. Um this question comes from Andy Jewett, our, our friend on Twitter. He says, do we have any idea of how the team members are feeling about having the best team this franchise has ever had only to be sidelined by quarantine? Are they mad, motivated, aware that they can't do anything about it, so they're accepting it and fine, scared that they're missing their window? Um that's a good question. I like. I don't. I don't think this team has necessarily proven itself to be the best the franchise has ever had. Um, you know, certainly the 20, the 2009 team that made it to the Western Conference Finals was a was a really excellent team. Uh, same could be said for the 1985 team that made it to the Western Conference Finals and probably would have had a really good shot at making it to the finals had Alex English not gotten hurt. Um, but I, the 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 more general point is well taken that this is a team that has put itself in position um, to to compete for for big prizes for trips to the conference finals for potentially a trip to the NBA finals. Um, And that's an interesting question. The psyche, to be honest, I I don't fully know. I I don't have a perfect answer for you as to, as to how guys are really handling it. Um, You know, we haven't had an opportunity to talk to, a lot of guys. I think some of those conversations that we've had um, would illustrate that there have been some 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 challenging aspects of it, like being full full ramped up, ready to go, play in these games that they were doing in March, seeing that playoff finish line approaching, and then all of a sudden to have it sh- uh, stop. For, from what I understand, it's it's kind of been ebbs and flows. Um, certainly, that they go through. Um, I think weeks where they're getting guys really engaged through various like zoom meetings. Um, I know that the nuggets have tried to do everything they can to make some of those virtual hangouts um, a little bit more fun, a little bit more, you know, kind of feeling like they're all together um, physically. They, they've, they've kind of tried to just bust on each other in, in film sessions and, and those kind of things to, 
to really try to, I, I think morale is such a big part of this, of, of not letting guys just go to a place where, you know, they've, they've just thrown up their hands. Um, I'm sure some are handling it a little bit better than others, but um, to, to be honest, I, I don't know. And that's going to be a really fascinating thing to see too. And you mentioned it a second ago, Kendra, but just the mental, the mental part of this. Right. I mean, and, and like you, there's, I don't think there is a one answer, one clear answer definitely for this. And I think, I mean, I think this question kind of can relate to just things even outside of basketball of, you know, everything, your life was just going on as it's going and it stopped. Are you mad? Yeah, you're probably a little bit mad because you're in your groove, you're doing what you're doing, you're really good at what you're doing. But at the same time, everything is so out of our control and out of these players' controls that, I mean, is there a level of acceptance? Who knows? But you know, it's just, it's one of those things that you can, you can be mad and motivated. You can be all of those things at the same time. One thing that I would say that like pure speculation, but I'll just throw this out there with the last part of the question of being scared that they're missing their window. I could imagine that, you know, these players wouldn't want to look at it like that, looking at this is, this is their only window that they have to achieve what they set out to achieve, because this is a really young team. And I think, I mean, I think at the beginning of the season, the conversation was, oh, the Nuggets are going to make it to the Western Conference Finals, maybe their NBA title contenders. And then as the season went on, okay, that storyline kind of, you know, flowed up and down. So I think that in their mind, this wasn't, I think they knew that there was still work to be done to take this team to the next level. So was this their, their real one window? I don't believe that that's true. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't think that players on this team felt like this was their only chance but i i i do think that they they thought and probably still believe that they can go win a title this year now the outside perception and maybe the perception that i have or that you have is that they're not quite ready to to be there um and i think that's a fair idea to have um but i i don't think it's i don't think it's one they share i don't think they believe that that's true i i do think that the nuggets um you know, just just from from some people I've talked to in the organization, like they still feel confident that if they're to if they're to go into a playoff series, um, they think they can stack up with anybody. And um, so, again, you you only this might not be their only shot, but it, it certainly is a shot in their yeah. mind. And so um, while, you know, so the frustration that they might they might not be able to get that shot, I'm sure is there. Um, but. Also, you just have to try to keep yourself ready. And and the hardest thing, and that's the last thing I'll say on this, is that Michael Malone said this, but the hardest part about this is is just the unknown. It's like you can you can prepare yourself as an athlete for anything if you kind of know what it is um, or or have some faint idea of what you're trying to accomplish. The uncertainty, the when will it happen, the will it happen, that's been the hardest part about all this for players. And so I think motivation is is on an individual basis of how they're handling it. Uh, Want to go to this one next. This is from at ear1981 underscore on Twitter. Um, I don't like the idea of Grant being the long-term big money starting power forward. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but three and a half rebounds per game just doesn't cut it. But I do like the idea of Grant being the sixth man combo, small forward, power forward, uh, if they can get him on a Robert Covington type deal. 
So this is an interesting thing. I wrote about this at The Athletic earlier this week um, in a series that I'm doing, breaking down each of the potential free agents the Nuggets will have um, and how they will handle the decisions on on their own guys. Uh, Grant, of course, has a $9.3 million player option. If he accepts it, he will he'll be on the Nuggets. He'll play next year. If he doesn't, uh, if he declines that option, he'll become an unrestricted free agent, could certainly sign a new deal with the Nuggets, uh, but w- would also be eligible to sign with a different team. Um, and in doing this story, what I, what I found interesting is Grant had some of the, you know, some of the best raw numbers of his career. He scored at a higher rate per 36 minutes than he had at any point in his six year career. His 40, 40.5% three point shooting was the best of his career. Um, so he, in a lot of ways, he, he fit really nicely and he, he was able to contribute in big ways, but on, on sort of an analytical, deep, um, advanced stats kind of angle, he he didn't he, the the fit wasn't as obvious. Um, I, I think he struggled a little bit at times to to fit to fit into what the Nuggets were doing, um, especially with the bench. Uh, when, when that started the year, first six weeks or so, uh, the Nuggets were having a hard time figuring out their their best starting rotations. And um, I, I think there was some there was some adjustment period for him to be sure uh, to, to trying to figure out what his role was on that bench. Did he need to be a guy who who kind of came in and and tried to create some things or or was he better as just being that being that off ball guy running the floor, um, you know, cutting, spotting up, hitting three pointers, um, and and I think it took him some time to really sort of figure that out. The the one concerning thing that I have with Grant is in the rebounding. Look that 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 is I think an issue. It's a concern. It's one that Michael Malone has brought up a bunch of times. Part of the reason that Grant doesn't rebound as highly as, as say Paul Millsap is because he does spend some more time getting out on the perimeter and guarding guys there, and so that just I think uh, lends itself to him not being as close to the basket when shots go up. But overall, you need your starting power forward to rebound the ball, and especially when if guys are able to kind of try to put extra bodies on Nikola Jokic because they're not as concerned about, um, you know, uh, the power forward coming over from the weak side and really trying to dominate the glass that way. Um, I, Grant has to improve in that area. I, I think that's, I don't think there's any doubt about that. He, he needs to be a guy that goes and gets you five rebounds a game. And right now he's, he's, he's just not doing that. Um, the other, the other question that, that, that I have is, you know what? What kind of offense are the Nuggets going to play if Grant is the starting power forward? In my mind, if he's going to be their guy, they're going to have to speed up the way that they play. Um, because with Paul Millsap, one of one of the, the things that he does well and why he was such really good advanced stats wise next to Nikola Jokic is when they were playing the, the pace that they're playing now and say the pick and roll wasn't working between Jokic and Jamal Murray, he could be that safety outlet, the guy that okay, let's dump the ball down to Paul, and we certainly trust him to to create in the, on the low block or create, um, you know, with a pump fake and just kind of his array of old, old man moves, so to speak, or YMCA moves to, <laughs> to put it in a different way. Um, he, he, in my mind gave them that element and, and that's not necessarily Grant's strengths. If they're going to fully commit to Grant being the, the starting power forward, in my mind, they're going to have to alter at least a little bit the way that they play. Right. And I think with that kind of comes a question is, is that something that they're going to want to do? Is that going to, because their offense is so centralized around Nikola Jokic is changing the way that they play. If they speed it up, is that, is it going to throw, is it the equilibrium that they have in that starting lineup and the way that they play around Nikola, is that going to kind of start to shift and change? And, you know, what, what are the, I don't want to say repercussions because it feels like a very strong word to use when talking about this, but you know, just kind of what other effects does that have on the the other people in that starting lineup? Yeah. And I also think that the, the question would be, does, 
if they bring Paul Millsap back next year, if they can get him on on a on a, like say a one or two year deal, um, you know, kind of on a on a, on a deal that works best for both sides, right? Like he's not going to make thirty million dollars mm-hmm, next right. year. Can you find a number that that works for both sides? And if you do, is is he still your? Is he still better as a starter? Is he still better in the starting lineup? And then you have Grant, um, you know, playing playing the, the the four, the three. Really, he could play your backup center role. We we saw when Mason Plumlee got hurt that he was, I thought, pretty good in that role. And it might be worth a consideration for the Nuggets um, to just try to play smaller overall. And and that would obviously give give Grant all the minutes that he would want. Um, playing all those different positions, even if he was coming off the bench. So that's another thing that I, that I'm curious about when, when the off season eventually does hit as to how they'll handle that. Uh, okay. Next question comes from Mario Janet poor on Twitter. He says, any update on the Comcast TV situation? Um, we'll kind of just go through that. I'll just go and go through this real quick. Um, there, there is no real new news in the altitude standoff with Comcast. Uh, obviously Comcast has filed an antitrust lawsuit against Comcast. They filed that back in November um, kind of alleging that, that that Comcast is trying to create uh, this this monopoly uh, that that would eventually drive uh, Altitude TV and, and others like it out of business. Um, so right now that that court battle is ongoing. Altitude TV, according to the Denver Post uh, that they reported earlier this month, got a court ruling in its favor. Um, they have uh, they're able to kind of begin discovery in this case, even though Comcast has requested um, requested that the, the case be dismissed, and 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 that part of the process is still still ongoing. Um, the case has begun discovery, and so I, I think the last that the last that was known through that court process was that. Um, the the court has requested a joint status report no later than June 30th, meaning that that that's how long that the both sides will have to kind of give their idea of the next steps for how the, the case should proceed. So um, again, no news, no new news there. But I I think that this will be continue to be a really important thing for for really uh, the Cronky Sports and Entertainment Company, um, the Nuggets as a whole, and Altitude TV because look, there's talk that when the 2021 the 2020-21 season begins we might not have fans in the stands to start that season. And if that is the case, it's going to be even more paramount that fans are able to see their teams on TV. And if Altitude TV can't come to an agreement with Comcast and and that whole thing, um, you know, that's just going to be a a really difficult situation to be in considering the fans can't even go to the stadium to watch the game and then would have trouble watching it on TV as well. Um, So, so that's, that's something that we will continue to keep an eye on, continue to report on where those updates become available. Uh, just to close out here, Mario had another question and this one, um, (laughs) it was kind of lengthy, so I'm not going to read all the way through it, but his, his essential question was, I've been enjoying the last dance in recent episodes. Michael Jordan said winning has a price and leadership has a price. I don't want to be mean, but I don't see Nikola Jokic paying that price of leadership right now. Do you feel that the best player on the team needs to be the team leader? Um, and it's an interesting question when you look at champions of the past 10 years. Um, and in his mind, listing them out, many of the players who were the team's best player were also their best leader. Um, it's a, it's a fascinating question and it's one that we've obviously um, discussed about. Before I kind of give my insight on this, Kendra, what what do you view Nikola Jokic's role is as a leader on this team? What what have you seen from him um, that would suggest he is this team's top leader and, and maybe why he's not? I mean, I, I, I've only been here for this past season, so I can only speak on what I've seen for, you know, the past couple months and stuff and, and what um, other people have said about his growth as a leader and, and from 
my understanding, and Nick, you can probably speak, you know, more on this because you've been around these guys longer, is that he's been growing into his voice as a vocal leader um, and, and, and kind of trying to lead by example by what he does and be in players' ears and correct them, which I do think is, uh, is definitely being a part of the leader. I, I don't necessarily, I think being the team's best player has something to do with being the team leader, but I think there can be different kinds of leaders. Um, one of the examples that Mario gave in, in his list of, uh, you know, the past 10 years and, the, and, and uh, who was the leader and their best player. And I grew up in Oakland, so I have watched a lot of the Warriors. And one of the examples he gives was Stephen Curry being the leader and the best player. And one of the things about that 2015 Warriors championship team is, yeah, Stephen Curry was the leader, but they also had a guy like Draymond Green, who they kind of called the heart and the soul of the team. So while he wasn't their best player and a leader in that sense, he was a leader in a different way. So I think there can be a multifaceted leaderness of teams. I know that after the Nuggets lost that game in, I think it was the game against the Clippers that they lost, it was Will Barton, who was kind of that heart and soul speaking to the guys, giving him that type of talk um, in the locker room afterwards. And I think that is a huge part of being a leader. Do you need to be the best player to be able to have that voice and to be able to get that respect from your teammates? No, you don't have to. But I also think if you are the best player, you do need to be willing to be vocal. Um, They will look to you to correct guys who maybe make a mistake, especially the younger guys, if you've been around a little bit longer. Um, so with that being said, I mean, I think Nikola Jokic, from what I understand, probably has done some of that, but I, I do I think he's like the most vocal, outspoken, rah-rah kind of leader. I just don't think that's his personality. Yeah. And I, it's a great point. And I also think one of the things about this, uh, you know, the last dance documentary and, and the end of episode seven, I thought, um, you know, laid it out so well is that, look, my, my Michael Jordan, you can't really compare either as a player or his leadership <laughs> yeah. style to anybody else, yeah. because you saw it at the end, like the price, the price is one that it almost seems like he's still grappling with whether it's one he should have paid, right? Like you have the six rings and nobody can ever take mm-hmm. that away from you. But you know, not everybody is cut that way. Very few are, you know, Kobe Bryant, it was sort of notoriously the same way with, with some of his teammates and riding them that same way. But you go down the list of, of these guys who have, who have been the quote, best player and best leader, uh, you know, a, I, th- I think that there's, there's different, like you said, I, that's a great example of Draymond green. There's multiple people who led that warriors team. And I think you need to have multiple leaders because you can't hear the same voice all the mm-hmm. time with the bulls. Like there was no, like it was Jordan. That was it. Like, and, and it, look, it worked for them in that situation. Um, but I don't think that there's just one way to do it. Um, you know, like, for example, here, Kawhi Leonard was the best player, obviously, on the Raptors. Was he always the guy speaking up or, or, or being the vocal presence? I don't think that's the way that he chose to lead all the time. Um, to your point about Jokic, he has taken big strides in terms of his leadership ability. Uh, we saw it a lot more this year. Um, he actually spoke up a few times in the locker room, picked his moments in which he thought that things needed to be said and that people needed to hear it specifically from him. Um, that really hadn't happened in his career at all before. So we saw a couple of those instances. You saw a lot more time on the actual court where you saw him directing guys into places where they should be or, or really just trying to put a sh- put an arm around a guy's shoulder 
and, and give him some some direction. We we hadn't seen a lot of that before, and that, and that started to become a pretty regular thing this year. I remember the Utah game, uh, the, the big Nuggets win in which they only had seven players. Vlatko Chanchar, um, you know, uh, got an end of the bench player. His a rookie um, has hardly had any time on the NBA floor. He had he was pressed into pretty significant action in that game, and I, I just remember watching Nicole on on almost every other trip down the floor, like helping Vlatko be in the right place or going to, up to him at a dead ball and, and giving him some advice or, or telling him, um, you know, what they needed out of him. And so to say that Nicole is not willing to pay the price, I think is untrue. I think he's obviously doing it in his own way. He's, he's, a, he's a different cat. He's, he's not, I mean, he's about as opposite of Michael Jordan as you <laughs> yeah. can be. And so I, I just do not think that leadership can be, um, can be wrapped up in one kind of box and, and, and you have to fit this mold or, or else you're not doing it. Um, He's doing it in a different way. And so uh, it, it helps when your best player takes a significant leadership role and, and does it probably, I would agree with you, in a vocal sense in, in more often than not. But um, but I, I don't think it has to be it has to be the case that way. Um, last question. This, uh, this is from CJ Morgan on Twitter. This current Nuggets regi- regime is known for, quote, not skipping steps. But is it necessary to skip a step or two when you have the chance? Uh, one example is trading for Bradley Beal before last summer, potentially before his extension had kicked in. Now the Nuggets don't have as many assets this summer, and Gary Harris's stock may have dropped again. Um, so to me, like not skipping steps doesn't necessarily mean that you can't take a big swing when it's there. Sometimes that's part of the step, right? Is that um, you you build yourself up in order to to be able to to make a big move. That's a that's kind of why you take those you know those quote unquote steps to begin with. Um, you know, Bradley Beal last summer be- before there was kind of I think another season of the of the Wizards losing that probably um, you know has made him. Look, I can't speak for Bradley Bill, but a, a full season of of more losing, um, there there's probably certainly has to be a thought in his head now of of potentially um, wanting to move. Again, he has never publicly requested a trade. Never never has said that he's he's looking t- to be elsewhere. Um, but but maybe that just wasn't there. That the thing that was interesting when I talked to John Hollinger last week is he says, listen. You know, fans can always go and say, hey, how come they didn't make this move or they should have made this move? Front offices know whether that those moves were even available. So th- th- we say here they didn't trade for Bradley Beal last summer. That might have not ever been a possibility on the table, right? As much as that people have connected those dots and say, listen, here's a guy who would fit perfectly with what they need. He's on a team that's not very good. It probably has to gear toward rebuilding at a certain time. Um, you know, his 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 contract, he only signed a three-year extension. It's a manageable deal. Um, so th- those like logical dots you could connect, but the reality might have been there just might not have been a deal to be had. Maybe Wizards didn't like what the Nuggets were willing to give up. Maybe they were dead set on not even thinking about trading him at the time, uh, which is what Tommy Shepard said. He said, hey, if, if we're if if we're rebuilding, if we're rebuilding a team, like why wouldn't he be the first guy that we want on board rebuilding it? He's he's in his mid twenties, fantastic player. So again, we don't even know if Bradley Bill's truly available. Um, all that being said, I think you know taking steps and, and doing things with a process, which is what the Nuggets have prided themselves on doing um, since t- 2013, when Tim Connolly took over the front office, is is not what what they like to say is not mortgaging the future to try to take a big swing right now. I do think what the the the, the plateau that the Nuggets have reached right now or this the step that they've that they've stepped onto is that um they're right there. They're they're at a competitive they're at a really competitive level where they they can contend with just about anybody in the Western Conference. But 
now the this is the hardest this is the hardest step to take is the one that's next. It's it's how do you get from being a really good team to one that can win a championship? And 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 it's harder to know at this level what's right. And it's harder it, and even if you do know what the right step to take is, how do you execute it? So that's that's my view of it. Yeah, and I mean I, I agree with everything you say in addition to that. I think especially for the Nuggets, you look at this team who especially the core of this team is has been built through draft picks and has been built through that's you know when i think of skipping steps it's well let's go get this guy this guy this guy this guy through trades whatever you know and in that one year you know let's not let's not put in the the labor the hard work to build these guys up when they're younger uh, and develop them as players and i think as you were saying they've gotten to this point now where they're right there, they're really good, they're right there, and they've done it with guys that they have developed and they have, uh, you know, from the very start of their career. So if you're going to make a trade for that guy to take you to that next step, if that's, you know, the move that they choose to do, I don't consider that skipping a step. I consider that taking the next like the next step, they didn't skip the steps to become a really good team. They yeah, built they, these they, guys. They built. They 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 put so much time into development. And again, so so have they? The the question is fair. Have they missed their window to take the step that they that they right. would need? Have they missed the time to make? to make that move is there, there is a fine line between, you know, cautiously building something and taking an aggressive swing. As we go in the summer, I have started to get the sense, I think a little bit more and more that the nuggets are ready to, to really make some aggressive moves. I, I really think that as, as they continue to go along, look at next season, um, look at where they are with the players that they have, seeing Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray as sort of your pairing. Um, but, but maybe not, not being sure, a, whether that duo by itself is is truly good enough to lift them or or whether the guys that they have us alongside them, like a Michael Porter Jr., is ready to take the next leap in order to, to make everything that they already have good enough to win. Um, those are the questions they're asking themselves, but I think they're asking them right now with with a pretty open mind mm-hmm. um, to where if 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 the answers lead them toward an aggressive path, then I, I think it's one that they will be um, they'll be willing to take in, in the summer. That, I, I mean, that's my thought on it. Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense to me. So we will see. Um, again, we, we appreciate you guys once again for for shouting us out with the questions. Uh, great stuff. We look forward to uh, to doing another one of these down the road. Uh, that's going to be all for this week. Uh, you know, be sure to stay tuned. Keep it subscribed to this to this channel. If you are a subscriber, you know what to do. Hit us with a five star rating. Give us a review too. Uh, we'll catch you all next time. Until then, thanks for stopping by.